And so, Lord Jesus, we gather on this International Student Sabbath, the week. It's been our focus this week. We gather from 90 whatever nations of earth. The flags unfurled on our campus. Thank you for sending the rain away so that we could see them today. The flags on our platform. We are a global family, but we are one people. We come to your word now. Let the teaching be absolutely clear. Don't let me get in the way. Have full reign in our minds and in our hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I was really worried on Thursday with, these, with this cats and dogs kind of rain. Man, we're not going to get the flags. It's my favorite part of International Student Week to see those flags unfurled. I happen to have been born under one of the flags. I was delighted, Robert, that you chose to uh, make sure that the uh, flag of Japan is on that rack. And because I grew up overseas, 14 years in Japan, three years in Singapore, I've been around the world a lot. And you know what I've discovered? We get, if you are a human being on this planet, we have three loves we share. Any country, any culture, three loves. Number one, we love our food the world over. And that's why, by the way, uh, Robert, your International Food Fair is such a smashing success around here because we love exotic food. We like food that's different than the stuff we eat every day. So around the world, anywhere, we love our food. We love our drink, right? We love our drink. Now, that can be good. That can be bad. And we love our sex. No, come on. We love our sex, don't we? Is there a country you know of that does not love sex? Let me know. <laughs> Luxembourg? Well, I bet they do there, too. But what did she know? Come on, come on, come on. Kill joy, kill joy, spoil sport, the devil. Wouldn't you know it? That in the garden, what does he do? He takes our three loves and with his diabolical poison injects our love into addictions. Food, drink, sex. Our favorite addictions. You say, hey, Dwight, I'm not addicted by those three. Well, good for you. You're addicted by something. In fact, my friend Ray Nelson, and I'm grateful for him, he, he sent me a quotation this last week by a physician. Gerald G. May, M.D., wrote the book Addiction and Grace. Listen to this. Rather stunning about how many of us this morning are, <clears throat> how many of us are addicted, no matter under what, <clears throat> excuse me, no matter under what flag we live. Let's put it on the screen. I'll get my voice. Don't worry about it. So this is Jeremiah. I'm not being flippant when I say that all, all of us suffer from addiction, nor am I reducing the meaning of addiction. I mean in all truth that the psychological, neurological, and spiritual dynamics of full-fledged addiction are actively at work within every human being. That would be you and me, the whole world. The same processes that are responsible for addiction to alcohol and narcotics are also responsible for addiction to ideas, addiction to work, relationships, power, moods, fantasies, and an endless variety of other things. We are all addicts in every sense of the word. Wow, grab your study guide right now. Let's go. Let's fill that in. If you didn't get a study guide as you came in, several of you came in maybe, um, and just one of you grabbed the study guide. Hold your hand up, and our friendly ushers will come your way up in the balcony as well. Some of you are still standing in the back. If you want to come in, we've got, we've got some uh, empty spots in the Pews up towards the middle here. We'd be glad to have you. 
Just hold your hand up and they will get the study guide. This is a keeper today. There is some strategic plan here. Get the study guide whether you're into today's subject or not. Hold your hand up and our ushers are coming and thank you. Uh, those of you who are watching right now on live stream, we're delighted that you're here. Thank you, Milan. Wherever you are on the planet, in the nation, uh, you're going to get into this, I have a feeling. And so you have your laptop open right now. Click on the study guide. You'll have the same study guide as we do. If you're watching on a television program right now, Go to the computer, www, put it on the screen right now for you. There it is, www.pmchurch.tv, and you will find a brand new series. We just got started this last week. Somebody in the university called us and said, hey, listen, the student movement has really brought to the front and center this business of substance abuse on campus, addictions, and would you mind at the church also joining us in that? And so we said, sure. Even on International Student Sabbath, sure, we'll do it. So... Uh, title of this little mini-series, The Bondage Breaker. Today's uh, teaching, Global Addiction, Global Deliverance. And let's go. I want to I pick up the last line of Dr. May. This is physician Dr. May, Gerald May, his last line, and then we're going to add more to the quote. You won't have this in your study guide, but you'll see it on the screen. Fill it in, please. What did he just say? We are all addicts in every sense of the word. Then he goes on now. Moreover, our addictions are our own worst enemies. They enslave us with chains that are of our own making and yet that paradoxically are virtually beyond our control. Oh boy, don't we know. Addiction also makes idolaters of us all. Now this is interesting because it forces us to worship these objects of attachment, thereby preventing us from truly, freely loving God and one another. So addiction is about worship. It's about where we focus our energy. All of us addicts, all of us idolaters, and what is it that, we, that, that we, we find so pleasurable on the planet? Food, drink, and sex. And what do food, drink, and sex have in common? Jot this down. They are all appetites. All of them, they're appetites. Hey, listen, is it a sin to have an appetite? Are you kidding? That's the way the Creator wired us. Food, drink, and sex. Those are the three garden gifts from God to the human race. You're, we're supposed to enjoy this. Eat, drink, be merry, have sex. That is God's plan from the beginning. What's happened is when Lucifer, the fallen rebel, when he's given one shot, Christ the Creator says, hey, listen, you get one shot, one shot at the human race. When he takes that one shot, what does he do? He takes, he, he, he embraces what is already good and injects it with the infusion of diabolical deception, turns our appetite into addictions. In fact, let me show you this. Let's go back to the book of beginnings. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Okay. Genesis chapter 3, pull out your, uh, your Bible, you got a, your smartphone, your tablet, didn't bring anything, just, just track this, pull, pull the pew Bible out, you know where the page is, it's page 2, this is Genesis chapter 3. I want you to notice a, a, a set of words that keeps repeating in this short little narrative. Genesis chapter 3, everybody knows the story of the fall, this, is, this would be verse 1, I'm in the NIV today. Genesis 3, 1, now the serpent, that's the medium through which Lucifer, the fallen, the brilliant fallen angel, is coming to the human race. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, look, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. <laughs> the serpent said, you will not surely die. That's what he said to the woman. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And when, verse 6, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Seven times in this translation, six in some, six times in a sing this single passage are embedded the words eat, ate, and food. Would you jot that down, please? Obviously, highlighting the enemy's strategic attack on appetite. Appetite. Anything wrong with appetite? No, we were created with it. But he's going to take what's good, and he's going to turn it into a mutant cancer. You watch. So that today, millennia later, Satan's favorite weapon of mass destruction is appetite run amok, mutant appetite. In fact, that, by the, that, that, is, that is exactly the definition of, of, of addiction. Would you jot this down, please? What is addiction? The heart of addiction is unbridled, unregulated, uncontrolled appetite. That's what it is. Food, drink, sex, three glorious gifts from God in the garden, now prostituted, perverted by the enemy of the human race, the enemy of the universe. Mutant appetite out of control. Hey, by the way, why do you, th why, why do you think Cain killed Abel? Why did he kill him? Appetite. He wanted his food to be on the altar. Isn't that right? What brought the, the eventual destruction of the antediluvians? There's a movie just flying through this land. Now, you probably have heard of it. Noah. Hmm? Noah. Yeah. What was it that led to Noah? Genesis 6. We won't even look it up. Genesis 6. God, God looks down. The Creator looks down. His heart broken. Mutant. Mutant addiction. The world's out of control. In fact, Jesus, speaking about Noah, Jesus will come, on, come, come along in Matthew chapter 24, and he'll give this commentary on Noah. Fascinating. Look at Jesus' commentary on Noah. Matthew 24, verse 37. These are red letters in, in, in my Bible. As it was, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Everybody's talking about Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, this is fascinating. Watch this. For in the days before the flood, these would be the antediluvians, people were eating. What's that? Food. They were drinking. What's that? Drink. And they were marrying and giving in marriage. What's that? That's sex. Food, drink, and sex up to the day Noah entered that ark. Anything wrong with eating, drinking, and having sex? No. But what mutant, what mutant appetite does is drive those three gifts in, like an arrow through the heart, an unbreakable addiction. That's the devil for you. Killjoy, unregulated, unbridled, uncontrolled appetite. The mass addictions we find today with food, drink, and sex. In fact, speaking of sex, here is how the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy describes the, that addiction in this nation. Put the words on the screen for you. Also have it in your study guide. Nearly 12 million people in America... How many in the, with all the flags behind me have no idea? Nearly 12 million people in this nation suffer from sexual addiction. Due to the accessibility of sexual material available on the Internet, cable television, and videos, these numbers are increasing. Anybody surprised? Despite common misunderstandings, this addiction is not simply about too much sex. That's what we think. Well, they just have to have too much sex. That's not it. Sexual addiction is a serious problem in which one engages in persistent and escalating patterns of sexual behavior despite increasing negative consequences to oneself or to others. Like other addictions, these behaviors continue despite sincere and persistent efforts to stop." End quote. And oh boy, have I heard that story before. 
I can't tell you how many young men have come to the office right around this corner here, have come into the office in this church with tears. Got a phone call one day from my executive assistant. He's, he's weeping. Student goes into my office absolutely beside himself. You know why? Sex addiction. Don't you tell me. Don't you tell me that, uh, that the only issues we have are substance abuse. Come on. Pornography today is the great moral destroyer of men and boys, and now we have it. Women and girls, it is an equal opportunity addiction. In fact, jot this down. The Internet porn industry today rakes in over $13 billion a year. Just Internet. In fact, keep your pen moving. Online porn makes over $3,000 per second. Per second, $3,000. Just like that. $3,000. Somebody's paying that money on a credit card. In a 2009 study, Brown and Laengo published their research, X-Rated was the title of their research, and here's the subtitle, Sexual Attitudes and Behaviors Associated with U.S. Early Adolescence Exposure to Sexually Explicit Media. It's a long title. In that study, in the southeastern United States, jot these numbers down because it's not on your study guide. I'm going to give you some percentages. 12 to 15-year-old boys and girls, all right, 12, early teens, 12 to 15-year-old they found out that 53% of the boys, write that down, 53% of the boys and 28% of the girls reported use of sexually explicit pornography. This is, this is international student Sabbath, so let's talk about a nation besides always picking on ourselves. How about the United Kingdom? You know what they found out over there? A study released earlier this year revealed that pornography and depictions of sexuality turned more than, listen, 4,500 British children, some of them as young as five, into sexual offenders between 2009 and 2012. As young as five. Three good gifts in the diabolical hands of the enemy of the human race and God Almighty. And look where we are today, as it was in the days of Noah. That's the way it'll be before I come. Wow. Global addiction. Mutant appetite. Out of control. Here's another one. Jot this down. According to the Polaris Project, 27 million people are in modern-day slavery. You know what that is, don't you? It's human trafficking. It's sex trafficking. That's exactly what it is. Tw 27 million. With 800,000 people trafficked across international borders every year, and jot this down, one million children exploited by the global commercial sex trade every single year. A million boys and girls. Wasn't that some of these little, these little Indonesian kids up here playing? What's that, the Kalong? What is that thing? What? Long Long? <laughs> no, you're shaking your head, but I'm not going to try. Okay, so anyway, wasn't, look at these precious little children. Any nation of earth. The dark grip of addiction is seizing even our young. Thailand, India. Do you know what? It's $32 billion a year made in the sex, sex trade traffic. Mainly women, mainly, mainly children. Global addictions. Come on, Dwight, is there any global deliverance? Absolutely. Every man, woman, young adult and teenager and child here today needs to know there is deliverance, global deliverance from our global addictions. In fact, the serpent, remember that snake we were talking about a moment ago? Guess what? Do you think he was not going to be there that day? Oh, he is there. With bells on his toes, he's there. This is the big one. In fact, he holds in his curled, devilish fingers the finger 
printed smudged map he used in the garden. He still has the map. It has brought down in the intervening years some of the greatest spiritual giants in the history of the human race. He's brought them down with this same map. You don't think he's going to miss out on the big one. And behind him salivating the demons of his hordes watching. They wouldn't miss this one for anything. Blazing afternoon sun, searing heat. And he shows up. Nice timing, Lucifer. He shows up when the incarnate God is at his lowest ebb and weakest moment. Boom, he shows up. And guess what, sir? That's when he shows up for you and for me. At the lowest. That's when he comes. Open your Bible with me now. We go from Genesis 3, one other passage, Matthew 4. This is when the Creator, who lost his children to mutant appetite, this is the Creator now come down. Matthew chapter 4. Familiar narrative. You know this. Matthew chapter 4. Pick it up in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Gospel of Mark says he was driven by the Spirit. He was led. This right after his baptism, by the way which means even though you've been baptized right after the baptism, you, all the guns of hell are let loose. Don't you think you got some little past now that you got baptized? Proud of you for getting baptized. Jesus has just been baptized. He was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. At verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Hey, I, I hate to admit this in front of you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. After four hours, I'm starving. Forty days and forty nights with nothing. Fasting, no food. Apparently, he has to traverse the landmine-strewn ground that took Adam and Eve down, the parents of the human race. He has to go over the same ground. He's famished. Forty days and forty nights. And who shows up when he's at his lowest? Verse 3, and the tempter came to him and said, Yo, you, skinny one, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The same, out of his quiver, the same weapon took down the parents of the human race. Same one, appetite. You know, I used to think, I used to think, yeah, but Jesus, you're not living when I'm living. I mean, you're not living with an internet that's just a mouse click away. Come on, you're not living, you didn't live with, with. And then I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hebrews chapter, what is it? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. In all points like as we are, he was tempted, right? He was tempted yet without sin. I suddenly realized, you don't have to have the specifics. Just because the Internet is different in Mongolia than it is here, you don't have to have the same old same old because the temptation, the addiction, the base addiction is appetite. All Jesus needs to do is to be hit with the onslaught of appetite, mutant appetite out of control. That's the call. No, he was tempted. He's been over this ground. What, you're, what, 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 you're, what you have been brought down over, he's been over it. He has been there and done that without doing it, without sin. Oh, mortal hand-to-hand -hand in this combat in this blazing desert afternoon. Jesus' lips parched, broken. Answers, verse 4. 
And Jesus answered Lucifer, it is written. Okay, let's, let's read these words out loud. Come on, read them off the screen with me. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written. You can't let appetite, you cannot let appetite be your king. You live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We hit the freeze frame. Jesus caught in this frozen moment. Lucifer, we walk around. They can't hear us. We walk around them now. I want to walk around them for a moment. I want to think about this moment. I want you to take a look at him. I want you to take a look at your enemy, same enemy. Stare at this picture for a moment. Let me put some words on uh, the screen from this classic on the life of Jesus, Desire of Ages. Let me read this off of the screen. Of all the lessons to be learned from our Lord's first great temptation, none is more important than that bearing upon the control of the appetites and passions, end quote. Something's going on here. Frozen frame, mortal combat. Something's going on, and we've got to track it. We've got to find out. So I want you to take that pen now. This is, this is the keeper part of the, this is the keeper part of your study guide. Four anti-addiction actions you must take. I don't care what your addiction is, alcohol, drugs, narcotic, it does not matter. Sex is your addiction. Pornography is your addiction. This is perfectly tuned for that. Four anti-addiction actions that we must take. Jot them down. Action number one, avoid the precincts of temptation. Everyone's going to have A and a P, A and a P, A and a P to help you remember. Avoid the precincts of temptation. Ladies and gentlemen, we just read that Jesus was not strolling through the Jerusalem bakery during his fast. Oh, I love the smell of this bread. Oh, I wish I could eat it. I wish I could eat it. Are you kidding? He's as far away from food as he can possibly get. He's in a barren wilderness. Why? Because you've got to avoid the precincts of temptation. If you're trying to break the addiction of alcohol, you don't go into a bar to ask for a drink of water. You're too weak. You're way too weak. Now listen up. If you're trying to break the addiction of pornography, you do not go online and surf the web. You are way too weak. You're dead meat, and you know it. You must avoid the precincts of temptation. Get as far away as you possibly can. Why? Jot it down. I love this. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Jot it down. Why? Because in order that Satan might not outwit us, you can't go on. You cannot afford to go onto enchanted ground. He's got you. He's no dummy. He's brilliant. Stay off of that ground. In order that Satan might not outwit us, Paul writing, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Therefore, Paul's still writing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 22, therefore avoid even the appearance of evil. Do not linger where evil is near. There were two heroes in the Old Testament, both young men, both taunted by the same nefarious enemy with the sex temptation. Two young men. The difference between the two is a tale of two followers of God. What's the difference? Put it on the screen. Joseph fled, David fed. And that's the difference. Joseph fled. I'm out of here. David fed. His computer screen just stayed right there. He kept clicking. I've never seen this before. Four anti-addiction actions. Number one, avoid, avoid the precincts. 
Number two, acknowledge through prayer. Acknowledge what? Your dependence on God. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus has been in prayer. Do you know why? Do you know why he's been in prayer? Rick Warren has written another bestseller. It's entitled The Daniel Plan. Our staff is reading it for worship every uh, Monday staff meeting. I'm going to put Rick Warren's words on the screen for you. Think of it this way. This is Rick Warren writing. You have a small battery inside of you. It has limited amount of, of energy. When it depletes, you shut down. At the same time, God offers you access to His unlimited power plant. All you need to do is plug in, and the power cord is prayer. Fill that in. The power cord is prayer. Prayer is the one divine weapon whereby you plug into the power plant of heaven by quietly acknowledging, God, I can't do this on my own. I cannot do this. I got, a, I got, a, I got a, um, uh, an email from someone who was listening last week. And this individual wrote and said, you know, do I thank you for dealing with the subject. You know what? It just seems like there's just, everybody thinks that prayer is the great solution. Do you know how many times I've prayed? I want to agree with that email writer. Prayer is not a one-stop-only solution. There are other strategic ways. Don't miss the rest of this list, and especially next Sabbath. There are other strategic ways, but not one of those ways will work without prayer. Prayer is your weapon. Ah, jot this down. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. That's what's happening in prayer. Resist him. He goes if you resist him. God draws near. God will only come where he's invited. He will not kick the door down. You have to invite him. Prayer is absolutely critical. Ask him. Oh, here's another one. This is God himself, Psalm 50, verse 15. Call on me, God says, ask me, ask me, call on me, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Here's another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you. Whoo, this is good news. No matter which of these flags you live under, nothing's new, nothing's unique to your culture, nothing's unique to you. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you, what are the next two words? Can bear. I want you to jot that down. Can bear. And I need you to know this. If a temptation has come to you, if a temptation has come to you, it is because God has already determined that you can make it through that temptation if, you're, if the power cord is plugged in. He will not allow a temptation. How, how, God, how come I've never had that temptation? I heard that this guy had it. It looks like kind of an exotic temptation to have. Why can't I have it? God says, because it would kill you. That's why. The only ones I let come through are the ones you and me together. We can do it. Amen. No temptation will come to you except the ones you can bear. So that's the good news about temptation. Anything that comes to you, he's already determined. The boy can bear it. The girl can handle this. With me. With me. Now, there's, there's more to the verse, and I'll put it on the screen. But when you are tempted, now Paul is going on here, but when you are tempted, he will also, God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. No matter if the temptation comes, he says, I will get you out. Trust me. I will get you out. You can bear it. All right, there are four of these. Here comes number three. Number one, avoid the precincts. Number two, acknowledge through prayer. Number three, access the power. Access the power 
of God's promises. Access the power. That's precisely what Jesus has done before this, this, this freeze, free, freeze frame in mortal combat. That's what he has just done. What were the words? Put them on the screen. What did he say? If we would hit the, release the pause button two more times in this narrative, total of three times, his offensive weapon was always, it is written. I jot this down. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He has given us, God has given us his very great and precious promises. I want to tell you something. You were here last week. Every one of those, every one of those verses is a promise. Last week's study guide. You weren't here last week? Get it online. Last week's study guide, all those verses, those are all promises. This week's, they're all promises. Begin to collect a list of promises. God is going to break the back of that addiction. I promise you. If you want him to. He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped. That's it. A way out. I got a way out for you, boy. Girl, come here. It's right here. Go, run. Don't look back. He has provided a way of escape, escape from the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. That word for evil desires in the Greek is the old word, English word lust. What is lust? It's a good desire gone corrupt. Anything wrong with food? Anything wrong with drink? Anything wrong with sex? No. But when it goes corrupt, because I have to have it and I can't wait, I have to have it now, that's lust. Oh, Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow. Submit your addiction to the unbridled power of the word. One more line, then we'll go to the fourth and final uh, action. This is desire of ages. Oh, this is good. When assailed by temptation, this is under the chapter of the first temptation of Christ, when assailed by temptation, look not to circumstances or to the weakness of self. I got, a, got an email from somebody who says, you don't know how many times I've tried. You do not know how many times I've tried. You cannot keep focusing on your trying. You're going to have to move from that paradigm. Do not look to yourself. You're as weak as sin and so am I. Come on. There's nothing here that can do it. But he has all the power you need. When assailed by temptation, look not to circumstances or to the weakness of self, but to the power of the Word. All its strength is yours. Put a circle around that all. All its strength. All of the strength embedded in this, in this book. All that strength is yours. It's all yours. Four anti-addiction actions to take. Number one, avoid the precincts. Number two, acknowledge the, through prayer. Number three, access the power. And finally, number four, admit to a partner for accountability. What does that look like? You cannot keep it a secret. That's the point. You are not treatable if you are not accountable. That's the point. If it's a secret, it's destroying you. That's the power. The devil says, shh, shh, shame, shame, shame. Don't go for help. Don't go for help. Shame. Forget it. It's a lie. It's not a shame at all. It's the secret to deliverance. Tell somebody. Somebody you trust. It's got to be somebody you trust. But you tell somebody. Wouldn't you know it, just this week at the University of Notre Dame, our campus just to the south of us, they had a conference on pornography. And they had four panelists that spoke. And the, the reporter was there. And I'm going to share a little bit with you now. They had this conference. 
Four, four panelists. One, a porn star. She made a living as a starlet of videos and pictures. Number two, a porn producer. And number three and four, a husband and wife where the husband is addicted, was addicted to pornography. So it's, it's quite a feature uh, article here, and I'm not going to read the article all the way through, but there's one, there, there are a couple poignant places I have to share with you. The occasion was a, was, was a program called Porn on Both Sides of the Screen. Notre Dame's Gender Relations Center and Institute for Church Life co-sponsored the event. The first individual that they talk about is Christine Moran. She's the former porn star. She was desperate. She was running out of money. Somebody came along and said, Girl, if you'll just, if you'll just pose, you can make a great living. She got snookered in. You ought to read her description of how she felt after that first day's shoot. Ugh, break your heart. She's six years into it, and somebody comes along on the set, on the pornographic set, and says, says something about Jesus. And she took that as a sign to go to him. And a group called Treasures, a nonprofit organization working with this industry, grabbed her, brought her to healing, and she's happily married and living in Dallas, Texas. Okay? So that's, that's the porn star. Now, I'm going to get a little more detailed about the porn producer. His name is Danny Pauling, former pornography producer, said he recruited, listen to this, he recruited more than 500 college-age individuals to the industry, produced more than 2 million photographs, and recorded thousands of hours of video during his career. Pauling said the porn generation, Americans age 30 or younger, the porn generation, the most susceptible to this strategic plan of Lucifer's, 30 and younger. He said that the, the, the porn generation are very easy to recruit to the industry by offering them perks such as a $500 a day starting salary. Wow. Couldn't get a job after college. This might work. Now, keep listening. But, but then, but then, the producer says, I would slowly watch the lights go out in their eyes as their soul died inside, as they slowly had to start doing more and more. Something's dying in front of his eyes, and he sees it. Now, these words are so powerful. The first time I read them, I, I just burst, I just, my eyes burned with tears. I'm going to put it on the screen for you because I don't want you to miss it. He's still talking on this panel this week. We think that these polished images and polished video that we see on screen is amazing and attractive, but what we don't see are the girls curled up in the corner in the fetal position between takes because their minds are so blown by what they had to do that day that they don't know how to handle it. I read that. Tears in my eyes. I'm thinking of my little brand new little granddaughter, almost six months old, Ella. I'm thinking of my beautiful daughter, Chrissy. I'm thinking of my beautiful daughter-in-law, Chelsea. And I'm thinking, you can't, you can't do this to women. A girl in the corner, she's, she's in fetal position, naked. She doesn't know what to do. She's being destroyed, decimated, dehumanized. I want to I say something to the men who are here. You see, what men forget is that pornography is not, is not only evil because of what it does to the man, it is compoundingly evil for what it does to the woman who earns a living gratifying the men. Picture that little girl in the corner, and you tell yourself, how many clicks of my credit card is that worth? Who are you kidding? 
Do you think you can indulge this addiction and nobody else pays the price? $13 billion a year from swiping the credit card. And who stands in the dark shadows, by the way? His skinny arms folded. His diabolical fingers biting into his own, into his own torso with that fiendish, haunting laugh as that little baby is curled fetal position. Another one is gone. Mom. All because you, you need it, huh? Come on, guys. Really? At what price? I want to talk about this in closing, the uh, husband and wife. They're also on the panel this week down at Notre Dame. The um, couple are the Myers, Sam Meyer, a recovering pornography addict, and his wife Beth appeared on the panel together. Sam said he was first exposed to pornography in middle school, but his addiction peaked after receiving his first computer in college. Does that sound familiar? Sam and Beth were married while they were in college, and Sam continued to struggle with pornography after their wedding. I've talked, I've talked to the spouses. Trust me, this is not an aberration. I, Sam said, I thought it was normal. It's sad to say, but within a few months of our wedding, I was looking forward to her to leave the house to go to class and practice so I could look at porn. He said his addiction progressed. He was honest with Beth throughout their marriage, but it kept on happening more and more and more. Now Beth is speaking on the panel. It was heartbreaking, she said, a few months into marriage to find out that he was looking at this. She said Sam's pornography addiction affected their relationship almost entirely. She said she felt isolated and like she didn't have anyone to talk to because Sam's porn habit reflected poorly on both of them. Can you understand how a wife would feel that way? There's something wrong with me. Look at my husband. There's something wrong with me. Two for one. Got him. Mutant appetite. Killing right and left. But thank God. Thank God the couple met with multiple counselors before finding a Christian counseling center in Colorado working to help people break porn habits. We ended up getting counseling for about two and a half years at that center, Sam said. He made friends with other Christian men who shared his issues and helped him remain accountable. Remember now, this is the final anti-addiction action. It's accountability. You, you, have to find, you have to find a partner. You have to. You will not survive without it. Ugh. It's something that I'm still working on, Sam said. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to end with this. As part of his healing process, now this is good, listen. As part of his healing process, Sam said he installed a software on his computer that sends a weekly email of every website he has visited to his wife, a few friends, and a spiritual director. It's called accountability. You'll know every day where I am. <clears throat> Isn't that something? His final words, just knowing that things are in the light is really helpful to me. It's really been a source of encouragement, Sam said. God bless you, Sam. I wanted, you to, I wanted to end with that because that's the good news story. This thing can be broken. Four anti-addiction actions. Don't miss the last one.
Be accountable to somebody. Look what the Bible says. This is what, James 5, 16. Jot this down. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Isn't that something? Tell somebody about what you're struggling with. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know what? The church needs to be a safe place for addicts to be able to talk about their struggle. You can't have a church full of people looking down their nose and saying, well, I don't have that addiction, so shut up. How stupid. The little book Steps of Christ says the church looks down its nose at alcoholics. Alcoholics, what a shameful addiction. When, they, they, the author writes, when in fact in the sight of God, pride and self-worship are more offensive to him. The church needs to be a safe place. The church on this campus has to be a safe place where people can deal with their addictions. We, get, we need to be able to have grow groups where you're safe to be in that grow group and nobody's, nobody cares that you're there. They're just glad you came. Confess your faults to each other. It has to be a safe environment. And here's the other text. Look at this. This is Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Come on. Let me, help, let me help you with this. I'll walk with you for a spell. That's why on April 16, by the way, I told you I talk about it every, every Sabbath until we get to April 16, we're having a special intervention intercessory prayer service right here at 7 o'clock. That's a Wednesday evening. You're not there just because, only because you have an addiction. If you just want prayer, you're there. Nobody's being identified by your prayer requests, but it's going to be, it is going to be a divine appointment for breaking, beginning to break the back of that addiction, if it's an addiction that brings you there. April 16, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There they are, ladies and gentlemen, four anti-addiction actions that you can take. To follow the pathway of the one who says, if the sun sets you free, our theme text for this mini-series, if the sun sets you free, you will be, how's it go? Come on, how's it go? Help me, help me. <clears throat> if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free. I promise you I will set you free. Will it be a battle? It will be a battle. Will it be over in an hour? It will not. It took you longer than an hour to build this addiction, but the sun has promised to set you free. He won the victory. He won the victory over addiction and appetite in that blazing sun desert, and he sealed the victory over addiction and appetite on the cross of Calvary. And because he won, never forget this, because he won, put it on the screen, because he won, you can. You can. Yes, you can. Because he won, you can. Let me end with this. Words written 100 years ago, put them on the screen. Does it get any better than this? Nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness and relies wholly on the merits of the Savior. By prayer, by the study of His Word, by faith in His abiding presence, the weakest of human beings... Boy, I circled weakest for me. The weakest of human beings may live in contact with a living Christ, and He will hold you by a hand that will never let you go. What do you say to that? He will hold you by a hand that will never, a nail-scarred hand that will never let go of you. Ever, ever, ever. Praise God. Praise God. Take out your, your Connect card, please. I want to sing our 
our beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, chosen for us by the international student team. I love that. I love that hymn. Our ushers are already moving to the doors. Take the front of the card, which has the black stripe on it, and guess we're delighted to have you here today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond as well because well, this is what we do every week. Just put your name, put an email address. You'll have a chance to get something uh, sent to you if you wish. So your name and email address. Turn the, turn the card over. We call this the Next Step side, and here are four, four opportunities today. Box number one, I choose to take the four anti-addiction actions through Jesus' power. We are all addicted. We began with that quotation, we're all addicted. Join me in putting a check mark right there. I choose to take advantage of these anti-addiction actions. Now, box number two, I will pray that the addicted in every nation might discover God's deliverance. Before I return to my homeland, International Student Sabbath, before I go home, I'm going to be praying here that God will have a strategic breakthrough among my people. I will pray for that breakthrough. Box number three, I would like special prayer for my battle with addiction. I hope to be at the April 16 prayer event. We'll send you an email. If you put your email address on the other side, we will send you an email reminding you it's easy to forget. You put your email address down. We will send that email. It's for you and me that we have this service. And finally, number four, I would like special prayer today and we'll come forward at the end of the service. We're doing this now every Sabbath, by the way. There'll be members of our prayer team who will be here in just a moment. They'll be standing at the front. If you would like somebody to pray with, it's not about addiction. It doesn't have to be about anything that we've talked about today. It could be somebody's heavy on your heart. You want somebody to pray with you for that special someone. Come forward. Pray with one of these who will be standing here and happy and honored to pray with you. Right now, I want to pray with you, so let's bow our heads together. Oh, God. Global addiction. Global deliverance. You have not left us. You, you have not left us alone and powerless and hopeless. We have all that we need through our Lord Jesus Christ. He won in the desert. He conquered on the cross. And because He has, if He sets us free, we will be free indeed. Holy Father, give us the courage to come out of our secrets. Give us the courage to find someone to journey with us. Give us the courage to take these anti-addiction actions and set us free through Jesus our Lord. And may His nail-scarred hand hold every hand who's here all the way until He comes. Receive now our morning tithes and offerings. We cheerfully return to you what is yours in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, I'd like to take a moment to ask for your help. Currently, Pioneer is recording the programs at this website on 15-year-old analog cameras. Over the years, as the television standards have changed, we've adapted our cameras to the new standards. However, we're at the point now of no longer being able to cobble these cameras together. The reason? Because of the television industry's shift to high definition. As you can see, this camera is actually using parts from two separate cameras. In fact, we have some camera operators now who are younger than these cameras. The new high definition standard, or HD, is four times the resolution of our current cameras and employs the industry standard widescreen format. The sensors in these cameras are just not capable of producing that level of picture quality. New cameras are a huge investment for our small ministry, but we feel it's something that needs to be done some of our major broadcast partners are now planning to shift to this standard. So I'm asking if you'd be willing to help. If the Spirit puts it on your heart, would you be willing to give some extra support to this ministry? Through your gifts, multiplied, I believe, exponentially by God's power, we can reach this end-time generation. So look, the process is simple. 
just click on the link there on the website that says make a donation. You can give a single gift or if you'd like to support us long term, you can make that gift happen each month. If you'd rather speak with someone instead of using this uh, website, that's fine. Call our friendly operators. Toll free number, let me put it on the screen here, 877 and the, the two words, His Will. 877, His Will. And by the way, not a single dollar donated to this ministry or this project goes to me. Your gift will go straight to our mission. Thank you for your support. And as always, I hope I'll see you back here again at this site.